you have to admire the uh, faith of the Canaanite woman. She's uh, obviously uh, has a spirit of perseverance. She's, uh, she's pretty tough and she's determined. She has a great love for her daughter who's, who's very ill. And she must have heard about, about Jesus and the healing he was bringing to so many. So she approaches him. She must have felt pretty lonely at one level as a patriarchal society and kind of a man's world. And here she is by herself. And she's a Canaanite. She's from a, it's a different religious background. You know, the Jews would have seen them as, uh, as pagans, and they were, historically, they were, they, they were enemies. So here she is. Talk about uh, determination. And she, uh, she asked Jesus for help. Jesus' disciples must have been looking at her with eyes of prejudice because they, they, want, they want Jesus to tell her to get lost, to leave. He doesn't. She approaches Jesus and asks for help. And then uh, Jesus' words to her might strike us as very odd. Because at one level, it almost sounds like he's being very, very disrespectful to her. And he says, uh, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And some scripture scholars say one thing Jesus might be doing here is, is kind of testing her faith because so many people were coming to Jesus, you know, looking for a quickie miracle or a quick healing, but really no change of heart or, or, or conversion and get what they want and, and leave quickly. So... Kind of, kind, of, kind of testing her here a little bit. But she, she's, she continues, Please, Lord, not for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the tables of their masters. You know, in the original language, there's actually even a little, little humor in, her, in her, her response. And uh, then Jesus, uh, what he says to her is very significant. Very simple. He says, O woman, great is your faith. He commends her faith. And in the, the Gospels, the affirmation Jesus gives here toward her is about as, it's very, very significant. And it's the strongest Jesus is in terms of an affirmation. Here it is someone who is of a totally different background and who some would see as, a, you know, a, 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 an enemy and a pagan. And yet Jesus notes faith in her and he lifts her up. And you would see the embrace of Jesus going wider and wider and at St. Paul's, we heard in that, that second reading, he, he takes the gospel out to all the world, to the Gentiles. So just a couple of things off of this, this gospel today. One, I think it points out the importance of persistence in our, our petitions, our prayers, because sometimes we can, we can lose heart, maybe even wondering, does, boy, does God even, is he, is he listening? Does he hear what I'm, what I'm lifting up? Because it's, very, it's coming from a sincerity of heart. And uh, you know, one thing we, as we go along on the journey, we, we, we come to realize that with our prayers, there's a lot of mystery in terms of how God responds. But it's not really, it's not according to our timetable or when we want it, when we want it. And as we mature in our, our prayer, we're going to get to a point of your will be done. But I, I think the Lord wants us to place before him what's in our hearts, just like any loving mother or father would want to hear what's going on in their child's life. And I think that's the way our, our Heavenly Father is. And we, you know, we trust in his providence that he does hear us. We don't know exactly the response. One thing I do know for sure is that there always is a response. And at the very least, through our prayer, our petitions, the Lord gives the grace for a deeper friendship. And when you get down to it, that's ultimately what we need to carry us into eternity. Because even if we get a full healing, we pray for healing, and we're healed, there's going to, if we live long enough, we're going to get sick again and we're going to die. So, but what's going to, what's going to endure? 
It's really that union we have with the Lord. And I think in the sincerity of our, our prayers, like this woman in today's gospel, the Lord does respond to that. You know, the second area I wanted to touch on is something that we're uh, experiencing or we're hearing a lot about in our country and actually in our world. And this Canaanite woman in today's gospel, she was certainly on the receiving end of, of, of prejudicial glances and probably comments. And even Jesus' own disciples are dismissive of her because she's a Canaanite. You know, she's, she's a foreigner. And as long as human beings have been walking the face of the earth, there have been things like racism and ethnic hatred and religious intolerance. And, uh, you know, what we, what we experience today is not a whole lot different than it's been through the, through the centuries. I think we've actually come a, a, a long way in, you know, in terms of uh, race relations and, and, and harmony, but boy, there's still lots and lots of issues out there and struggles. And I just want to share a few uh, thoughts today on that. In light of what's taking place in our, in our country, our Bishop Malloy just recently sent to all the priests of the diocese a uh, pastoral letter that bishops of the United States had produced in, in 2018 on this very, very topic. It's called uh, Open Wide Our Hearts, The Enduring Call to Love, a pastoral letter against uh, racism. And, uh, you know, that's a word we hear a lot these days. And they've got a little description of here of exactly what, what that is. And I'd like to share it with you. It's just a, a couple of brief, brief paragraphs, but it goes like this. Uh, what is racism? Racism arises when, consciously or unconsciously, a person holds that his or her own race or ethnicity is superior and therefore judges persons of other races or ethnicities as inferior and unworthy of equal regard. When this conviction or attitude leads individuals or groups to exclude, ridicule, mistreat, or unjustly discriminate against persons on the basis of their race or ethnicity, it is sinful. Racist acts are sinful because they violate justice. They reveal a failure to acknowledge the human dignity of the persons offended, to recognize them as the neighbors Christ calls us to love from the Gospel of Matthew. Oh, just a couple more lines here. Uh, racism occurs because a person ignores the fundamental truth that all humans share a common origin. They are all brothers and sisters, all equally made in the image of God. When this truth is ignored, the consequence is prejudice and fear of others and all too often hatred. And we certainly uh, you know, see that and hear, and hear about it. And one of the core beliefs of our, and the reason Jesus, you know, came among us is the, uh, you, know, the you know, the impact of original sin. It's, uh, it's pervasive and alive and well. And maybe you've heard of the author G.K. Chesterton, great Catholic theologian author, and had these great one-liners. And his description of original sin was, uh, you know, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. I mean, it's, it impacts all of us. We, most of the time we are good, but we all have this tendency sometimes to choose wrongly. And what can happen is it can taint our vision, the way we hear, the way we act. And uh, sometimes it's very unjust. We, we, all, we, we wouldn't need seasons like Lent. We wouldn't need the sacrament of reconciliation if we had it all together. And so we, we see the impact of original sin in our world. And this is one area where, where we see in this area of like, a, like racial hatred and uh, you know, ethnic hatred, religious intolerance and prejudice. There's, there's a lot of prejudices. 
And maybe in your life there's been a time where because of your gender, maybe the color of your skin, maybe your accent, that you were on the receiving end of a, you know, a prejudicial comment or glance. And it's very disturbing because when it comes to like a stereotype or a prejudice, the other person or persons may not even know you and yet you're judged. And that's the painful part of that. And it's really kind of a, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we, you know, we, we name that as a, as a sin because it's really a, an affront against one of God's, God's creation. So when it comes to have heaven, and none of us here have been there and back to know exactly what heaven is like, but I, uh, I, I would definitely say this. There's not a section in heaven for those who are Hispanic, just Hispanic, or a section just for those who are Asian or white, a section for those who are black, you know, we all have their own heavenly turf. I, don't, I think that may be more of a description of hell, uh, but we will need to be purified of, uh, you know, all these, you know, the, the prejudices that we can sometimes carry and to come into the glory of, 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 of the heavenly kingdom, we need to be purified. I've never had an issue with the doctrine of, of, of purgatory because you look around and, boy, there's a great need for purification. And I, I see that in my own life. And, boy, you just watch the news, read the news. You know, and there's, there's a lot of, uh, you see, see the impact of, of original sin. And, you know, that's why we need something like the sacrament of reconciliation, we need, as Christians, we need to be growing in our conversion in Christ because uh, it, it's very, very possible that we can get stuck in, in hatred. And you, you just see that around the world. And it can, it can even be expressed in, a, you know, there's still a lot of anti-Catholicism. Maybe you've uh, been on the receiving end of a prejudice in that area. I know I have, where I've had people say to me, you're not even Christian, you're, you're Catholic, it's not, you're not, and, and then when you're a priest, they get even more, get even more condemnatory. You know, can Catholics have prejudices? They certainly can. And maybe you've been on, on the re receiving end of a, like a religious prejudice, or maybe it's racial, maybe it's ethnic. And so we need to pray for our, certainly our world, but each one of us, is, is, we're, we're, we're Christ's disciples, and we need to know our own dignity, value, and worth and we also need to live out of Christ-like vision in a fallen world and be that instrument of justice that, uh, that lifts up others up as Jesus did with this Canaanite woman and to be his presence in our world. What a, what a challenge that is. And if I could, if I could just say a, a, you know, a word here with, uh, in connection with, uh, with police officers, and I, I've referred to this in the past, but I, you know, I, I, I really think our police officers need our need our prayers in some areas they are really under siege and you know is there a need for uh, are there bad apples are there some rogue elements certainly is there a need for for reform in some places certainly and again when, when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about reform each one of us as individual Christians I mean we need reform conversion becoming more and more Christ-like we need to let go of like sin and you know the the things that can that can keep us from Christ. So when we're talking about reform, it's it's human beings. There was even a, a a line that was used in the early life of the church. It's the church is always in need of reform. Christ isn't, but its members are. 
And we need to be more and more conformed to Christ and, the, and gospel principles. You know, that's, that's the, ref, the reform that we need as Christians. And in our world with, with whatever organization, is there going to be need for, for things like that in, in terms of principles of justice and truth and integrity? Certainly. So, but we, we police officers, vast mass majority, are, are honorable, wonderful people who desire to serve their communities and are there for the, for the common good. You know, if we don't have, a, if we don't have law and order, I mean, it, it's, all, it's all over. You know, so they got a tough, tough job. And so I, I think we really need to pray for them because, as I mentioned, in some places, they're really under, un, under siege. And uh, we need to lift them up in, in prayer as well. So as we, we hear this gospel today, and you really have to m admire this Canaanite lady kind of wandering into enemy terrain in a way, not with Jesus, but where she would be dismissed because she's a woman, because she's a Canaanite, but she had faith and she loved her daughter. And Jesus saw that and lifted her up and also her daughter. But the, the Lord counts on you and me to be about his, his gospel message and being his disciples. And a key part of that is knowing our own dignity, value, and worth. Each one of us here, you're a child of God. And I think when we know that in here, we're strengthened to live it and to share it in a world where there can be much dehumanizing and disrespect and violence and prejudice. You know, the God counts on us to, to really be about his gospel message in a, in a fallen world. So as we receive the Eucharist today, may we be strengthened and go forth into our week, knowing the, uh, the abiding presence of our Lord and be strengthened to be his disciples.